Ninth Circle stuff. Season ends with a great look. Couldn't get better than that. Reviewing that with ESPN's Bobby Marks on Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm J.P. Chunga on the Utah Jazz Podcast Network, presented by First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz, NMLS number 3112, equal housing lender. Boyan had an opportunity, and it was wide open. I caught Ian Eagle as he was walking off the floor, and he, he turned to me, gave me a look, and ugh, it's so tough to get on the pod after one of these seasons, seen three of them in the pod's existence. Nuggets, 2020. Clips, 2021. Now this one. Disheartening, so low, but it's a season where the Jazz went for it. Got to give them credit for that. But it's a season where this group and the Jazz, they went for it. Game six's effort and the crowd was awesome. They were on their feet in the first quarter. Game four, you got bogey chance in the middle of the second quarter. Like Utah brought it out. I know there's a malaise over the coverage and how reporters felt. Just look at their tweets. Yeah, they're pretty low. Jazz went for it. Crowd went for it. And ultimately ended in that. I have to say as the final footnote for an entire year, thank you so much for listening. I see the download numbers and it's another great year for Round Ball Roundup. I appreciate every single listen. I appreciate the five-star reviews. You know, it's all I ask of you. So thank you so much for doing that. I want to wrap it up. The season that was... Look forward to what's next. Bobby Marks. If you want to get into schematics, what happened during the series, everything pretty much stands with what I I talked about with Tim McMahon last week. Team couldn't defend on the perimeter, and he got bitten by it. Maxi Kleba went 50% from three, went like 16 to 32. So this podcast is forecasting for the future. How does the front office respond? How does the organization respond? How do players respond? Where are you 12 hours after a playoff loss? I want to gauge that from Bobby because you could already tell last night when the guys talked, when the players were at the podium, emotions were raw. And even Justin Zanuck this morning, it's so dissatisfying to see all you work, all that you do, and have this happen. So let's put a bow on this year. One, I understand, was difficult, but I would give anything in the world to be in the building for that game four win the poetry of a donovan to rudy alley-oop come on that's spine tingling stuff boyan bogdanovich going 94 feet to garluca taking the challenge he's a generational talent he's somebody if you're looking for the second round yeah he might be the best player on the floor against the phoenix suns anyway that's enough about that i i want the big stuff to come when you hear Bobby Marks on the show. So please enjoy ESPN's front office insider, Bobby Marks, on Round Ball Roundup. They competed. I mean, if anything, they competed their rear ends off. And um, as we were talking before we got on, they had a great, great, I mean, great play by Quinn and a great shot by Boyan. Um, pump fake killed him <laughs> because he's just catch and shoot. And um, so... They're one of eight teams, you know, that will, there's only going to be one that wins it all 
at the end of the day here. So um, it's just a matter of kind of when you, when you get at, get knocked out of the playoffs here, but um, just an up, I mean, for most, an up and down year, certainly highs and lows. Um, but all in all, you know, you get now the off season starts and now we get, you got to focus on as far as what do we improve on? Um, you know, how does this roster get tweaked? I don't, not in that majority, I guess, where we have to have an overhaul, you know, it's, and I, and I, in our off season article, I wrote about Donovan and Rudy, cause that's going to be the, you know, that's the topic, right? When you have two all NBA type players, um, but are under contract for at a minimum three more years, they've got that player option. Like, yeah, we can say blow it up, blow it up, but all right, you've got, you, you want to make it, those guys work first. Like you just, you know, you don't just, they're not going to be a free agent next year. Um, so that you try to figure out how do you work and how do you improve around them? Right. Like that's, that's the end all goal in the, in the front office that they're going to figure out um, over the next couple um, next couple months, as far as how this roster improves. Where are you as a front office 12 hours out? Cause we, Talk to the players. We're in the press sessions after the game. Emotions are still raw. Justin spoke this morning to the assembled media, and you can tell it's still hanging on him yeah. after this loss. But with this, this group, where are you as a front office just a day after you're eliminated from the playoffs? Well, eventually you're going to want to get away from it a little bit. I think just health-wise, healthy. It's, it's, you got to. Like, you just can't. Like, I, I mean, to go in the office on a Saturday um, and start your draft prep, you got to just, you got to check out. I mean, there's nothing wrong starting on Monday here, but I think what will happen is, is that you'll have, you know, sit downs with your ownership group and you'll figure out what the blueprint going forward. But I do think there'll be some, um, from a mental standpoint, there's got to be some separation as far as the emotions of just getting away from it and kind of, you know, give yourself a fresh perspective, because I think if you don't take a break and I'm not saying you got to go on vacation for two weeks here, um, but I think you do need a, a, a kind of a um, re, you know, re-energize yourself um, a couple days and then get back on the, get back on the grind. I'm sure you you've heard it, how all these seasons are so stacked up onto each other. This is going to be the first one with an actual normal timeline. And that that's going to be a welcome thing for I'm sure front offices and teams alike. We all get married or have kids in August that's been screwed up the last couple of years. Right. I mean, we've, you're right. I mean, since the bubble and uh, you know, COVID the COVID break, which was, I guess, March to, I guess we got going again in June. I mean, it was like a three, almost like a three month, like we were just not doing much. Right. Um, and then it just came, I mean, it came fast and furious. And then we end in October, then we start in November and then we end in July and then we start in August. And now, yeah, this is, you know, we just got to get through the next, you know, through July and then August and early September, you'll probably have your first real break from, um, from everything here. And it will be good to get back to some type of um, back to some type of normalcy. This season, so much happened. You had Danny Ainge joined the front office as you see, and and you were working on off-season outlooks. I'm sure this was different than ones that you have done for this franchise in the past. What's changed, and how does the outlook look for? This yeah, season? I mean, it, so a year ago we were, we really focused on Mike's free agency, 
I mean, that was kind of the big thing as him being a free agent, as far as what the number was going to come in at. Um, this year, it's a little bit different because most of your roster is intact, right? And you've got, I don't know, 11 players, I think, under contract. And um, you basically just have your tax mid-level exception. So what do we write about, right? So how we've changed things with the article is really like this. We, we want to go into like the state of the roster, right? So the state of the roster is I put in flux, right? Not, not a bad word, but just kind of like we're just you're trying to figure out what your identity is a little bit here. And um, you've got between Mike and Donovan, Rudy, Royce, Bowen, you can bring back your starting five right now. It's a matter of kind of what you do with some of your guys on the bench, whether it be Hernan Gomez, who's got a, um, a non-guaranteed contract or Rudy Gay, who didn't really have much of a role at all during the playoffs that you signed last offseason. Um, that's kind of what we focused on. And then of course, as I said, the Donovan and, and Rudy, you know, partnership here. And, um, I think there's a way that both can, um, you know, work, you know, work well together. I think there's a, you know, I think there is a body of work, um, and they're on their contract. Like they they don't have to just do something because you lost in the first round. I do think they'll meet, there's some changes that will probably need to happen, but when you start moving an all NBA player, like you'll never, you know, how hard those guys are to get in the draft or in free agency uh, or in a trade trade, you're going to have to trade a lot to get them here. So um, the focus will be keeping both guys or should be, and then building around them. But, um, but that's where the, that's our off season article where the focus is on that. And certainly we, we touch on, you know, I, I, you know, I put in there, you know, you know, has roster continuity hit an expiration date? And I think it has, but to a point, right? Like, like, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, you just, we just wiped the slate clean, but to bring back maybe all 11 players, I think you do have to kind of change out some of the parts there. And it'll be interesting as far as what Justin does. And Danny had a full year to kind of evaluate um, what this roster um, did, you know, they, the moves at the deadline were minor, you know, certainly with, uh, you know, the, the Joe Ingles trade and, um, you know, moving some parts out there, but um, you get into, this will be the first really full off season for Danny Ainge to kind of, um, kind of put his imprint a little bit on this, on this team. And what's the approach when you, you see a front office have a, have these struggles in the playoffs, but you have a window and you're going for it. That trade for Mike Conley in 2019, that's yeah. a go-for-it move. Signing Boyan Bogdanovich is a go-for-it move. The windows are always precarious in this league with how good teams are in the Western Conference. Where do you go from here? Well, that's the thing. In the, in the Western Conference, we'll only get better. Yeah. That's going to be when you look at, um, certainly with uh, the Clippers, with Kawhi. Denver. Denver is with yeah, Murray and Porter Jr. New Orleans, uh, we've seen, you know, um, who knows what happens with the Lakers. Um, Lillard will come back healthy. So the West is going to be, and that, so that's the thing when you say, like, when people talk about rebuild, like, there's, once you start rebuilding, you tear the house down, man, there's no guarantee you're going to be at, you're going to get a seat at the big boys table again. You might be doing it for 10 years, like some teams have. Um, so I think that the, the, the how I look at it is you, you went through the Clipper series last year. We went through this Dallas series this year. I think a lot of it is going to be as far as, you know, your coaches are going to probably do some type of evaluation as far as what went wrong. 
right? And there's going to be probably a lot of sit down as far as from with a front office and the coaching staff. Because when you watch it on film and you watch it in person, um, you miss a lot of different things. Like the emotion of sitting there watching in person, like it's it's the highs and lows and you're reacting to every basket. And if you think Rudy blown a, blew a coverage and then you watch it on film, you're like, no, he was in the right person. This person did. So I think that's going to happen as far as just kind of, you know, figuring out, is it the roster? Do we need to, do we need more switchable wings? Do we need more athletic wings? Um, do we need more shooting off the bench? Like that's going to be a conversation between the front office and, um, you know, certainly the coaching staff. Where have you reached with the Rudy discourse? Because you, you just brought it up. There's so much about how he's getting played off the floor in the playoffs when, you know, if you look with a, a basketball mind, you're seeing perimeter defenders are getting beat off the dribble. He's trying to do two jobs, sure. an impossible task for one player. Where are you on that? Well, I mean, when, you ha- when you're constantly getting beat off the dribble, your big man is going to be left on an island by himself. I mean, that's just the reality of it. I mean, dribble, drive, kick, right? Like, so if you can stay in front of your man, that eliminates him being exposed more. So that's that's kind of where, I mean, I've, I watched the games and I've seen it here. I think it's, it's certainly easy. And it's funny, they had, they had you know, some success when they went small ball with um, Eric in game four, game four, right? Yeah, the home game, game yeah. four, where that stretch in the second half. But that's not going to happen all the time. Like Rudy on the court, um, the numbers don't lie. Like Rudy on the court by himself, top defense, you know, Rudy on the court, certainly with Donovan, you know, certainly top one of the top defenses here. So I think you can get away with it, you know, somewhat of a small ball lineup, but it takes away a lot of different things that you're, you know, which is kind of your identity is here. And I think what happened in this Dallas series, and I wrote about it from, from an offensive standpoint is that Dallas took away the three ball, like, and in there, one of the better teams in the league from, uh, from defending the three. So it was something that Utah lives on, right? Like that's kind of their, their bread and butter. So when you take that away, then it makes it awfully difficult because there's really not a paint presence unless you're kind of, you know, going to at the rim, you're attacking the rim here. So, um, but going back to your point, like, I, I mean, Rudy's got a lot of value. <laughs> I mean, um, is he perfect? No, I mean, Donovan's not perfect, but he's got a lot of value too. I mean, so that's the big thing for me is like, just figuring out how those two, you know, you know, can kind of work together, but I wouldn't use either as collateral damage to fix your roster unless something of a sweetheart deal kind of came through. How do you improve the roster? Cause you have Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, two guys who are competing for all NBA spots, realize roster building the last three years, you had this window and then now going forward to try to address those team needs, wings, switchable defenders going forward. It's hard because, as you know, to buy, you got to sell, right? We always say that around the trade deadline. Um, so now it's a process, uh, process of elimination on your roster. So you're looking at Mike. You're looking at Boyan, who's going to have a – he's going into an expiring contract. He's also extension eligible, but I think he's going to be 34. He's 34 right now. Um, came over, we drafted him in, in, uh, in New Jersey, um, but came over a little bit later, Royce, um, Rudy, 
you know, Jordan, who's got a player option for the following for 23, 24. So technically maybe in last year. So you kind of just go down the list of, right. Of kind of who out of that group is expendable and who can bring you value. Right. That's the, that's the end all goal. It's not like, all right, I want to, we're going to draw trade uh, Jordan Clarkson for a future first. Well, how does that help you right now? It doesn't help you right now. Well, how do I, you know, hypothetically move Jordan Clarkson and I get two players back. Right. But I then, but then at the end, I lose one of the best six men in the league and I lose some scoring off the bench. And so that's, that's the challenge here as far as from a, from a player standpoint. Um, you know, you also have, you know, Hernan Gomez and um, Alexander Walker and, you know, to, to cobble together deals. Um, you don't have a pick this year, first or second round. You're restricted as far as what the future is going to be. So you have to, you got to do bargain shopping. Um, we'll see if they have the green light to use the tax mid-level exception. But, but it's hard. I've been there in New Jersey, in Brooklyn, especially when you have you come off a first-round loss, and then you got to go into your ownership group and say, you know what? Can we use the six the six point three million dollar tax mid-level? And then 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 they say, well, how much is it going to cost us? And I say, well, it's going to cost us another eighteen million dollars. Well, yeah, right, like. That's hard. It's easier when you get to a Western Conference Finals or an NBA Finals and be like, "Yeah, we just made twenty million at the gate," you know. Like so, so there's got to be a little bit of a balance there. But I mean, that's that's how you know if you take your two main guys off the board. I mean, that's the decisions that you're going to be staring at. But I think the one thing you do have to be careful with is that there's blood in the water, right? Teams think you're vulnerable now. You just lost in the first round again. Um, they think that, you know, guys can be had for a cheap price here. So you just have to have your guard up here and, 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 and remove the emotion from it, right? Like what got us in trouble in Brooklyn is after, 12, after the 12-13 season, thir- the playoffs of 13, we lost to Chicago in seven games. And we were, uh, Chicago was battered and we were, we had a lot of injuries and, um, instead of just bringing that group back, we let the emotion of that series get the best of us where we did the Boston trade. We did Pierce and Garnett thinking that that those guys would have gotten us. We thought we were a lot better than what we were. So you have to get, that's when I, we, we started this. I said, you got to get away from it a little bit. Like you've got to put your emotions kind of um, in a draw and look at what's the best, you know, best you know the long-term picture of this organization is going to be how do you approach a draft without a draft pick what are they doing right now yeah you're still doing it you I mean you're not going to get um chet holmgren in no <laughs> you're not <laughs> jabari but smith's gonna, not walking through that door no i mean you're so but you're still doing it so um you you have to go through this exercise and it's more of it's probably more of the second round guys. So it's guys in the, in the, you know, you know, second round undrafted two ways. You're still going to, you're going to go to pre-draft and it's going to be business as usual. And you're going to try to get as many guys into Utah. I know they break records as far as how many draft prospects they bring in every year. Um, so you just, you, and you, and you set your board and what you're probably going to do is we did this in Brooklyn is you're going to put dollar signs next picks and next to players names. So if you see a guy out there that's, you know, you have him as like, you know, uh, 21st on your big board, 
and then pick 40 is there and he's still standing there. All right. Like, well, let's go out and buy that pick. Let's go out and do that and, and make sure we, where is he physically? Where is he, um, um, his background? Did we interview him? Like that? So you, you have to go business as usual, even if you don't have a pick. I mean, we've had it so many times. I remember one year we didn't have a first or second and we want to bind three picks. And I walked out of the room, like we even have roster spots for these guys. So you do have to go through the draft process here and you're, you'll be prepared if a trade happens. What happens if um, somebody calls and offers the 10th pick for Jordan Clarkson? Well, you gotta be, you gotta know like, you know, who that is. So it will be business as usual, even if you don't have a draft pick. I was going to say, have you ever experienced that where you're going into a draft war room and you, you don't have a pick going into the day, but at the end you're drafting people? Oh, we've uh, plenty of time here. Or, um, you know, you had one and it turns into four. You had two and it turns into none. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just there's so many different, um, you know, options that unplanned options will pop up the night of the draft or that draft week. So you'll, you just, you just, you plan on that. You're going to wind up getting a pick. You don't know where it's going to be. And if you don't, then you're working on your two-way guys. You're working on your, you're working on your, um, your summer league roster here. And there's a lot of value here. I mean, you know, second round picks have value. Herb Jones in New Orleans came in and played great. Um, the guys who went, went undrafted, um, you know, Fred Van Vliet in uh, Toronto went undrafted. So there are, you know, there are guys out there. And so just, just because you don't have a draft pick doesn't mean you can improve your roster. Already explained a mid-level. Uh, what about the trade exception that the Jazz have this year? Yeah, so you have a, a, a pretty good number here. But then the, the other thing is like, so you can only acquire players in the trade. You can't go out and sign a player. Um, and you can, um, you know, and you can't, um, you know, you can't do a, like a, a five and a four. Um, you can take two players back here, but it's, it's like, you know, it's a, it's a one big number. Um, but you have that trade exception, but at the other end, it costs, right? Like, so that's, um, it's a nice, it's a nice little resource to have. It's like kind of like a poker chip here, you know, maybe you can use it down the road and um, to make a deal work um, with the numbers. What is that explanation that you have to give to your governor explaining up those decisions that impact their pocketbook, impact the future of the roster? Yeah, you better make a strong case as far as how that player is going to fit in and how he's going to play. Because the one thing you, you don't want to do is go out and sign a guy at a tax mid-level or acquire a player with your trade exception that costs you a lot of money and he's not playing. So that's going to be a conversation like, certainly I think with Rudy Gay, um, this offseason, like, well, how does he fit in going forward, right? What kind, what can his role be? Um, but that's, that's for me, if, if I'm owning a team and I'm paying, you know, a luxury tax here and I'm using exceptions either with the trade or with a, um, the mid tax mid level here is that I want to know how that player is going to fit in and how the coach plans on using him. Have you seen a player that maybe falls out of rotation in the playoffs towards the end of the season and then comes back on the other side is back into it is playing contributing minutes i even think to like jeff green on this yeah. team a couple of years ago he he fell out of rotation but then joins denver has success joins houston had success out there yeah i mean that's um that's the that's the unknown of free agency like every just you know 
free agency is such a challenge as far as going out and signing that player who you think fits and then it doesn't. And then you let him go or you trade him. And then all of a sudden he's like, wow, where did that happen? Right. Like Javon Carter in, um, in Brooklyn really hadn't, didn't have an impact this year. And the Nets had to cut him to sign Goran Dragic. And then he goes to Milwaukee and he plays pretty well in the playoffs. Right. So you're thinking, they're like, man, <laughs> what did we miss out on something? And I think it's just kind of the in, different environment and how that certainly that coach uses them. Qualifying offers for Trent Forrest, Xavier Sneed, Eric Paschal. Explain what those mean for those uh, players coming up. Yeah. So you'll tender them an offer by um, it's a one-year contract by June 29th with Eric. I think it's right around uh, 2 million to one in that range. Um, that means he'll, they'll be, he'll be a restricted free agent. You've got the right to match. Eric's got bird rights. You can exceed the cap to bring him back. Um, the two way guys, their, their qualifying offer is like $50,000. So it's just basically tagging them with the restricted free agency. So if you don't, then, uh, they go out and, um, you don't have the rights to, uh, match on an offer sheet. And Trent Forrest has been a revelation, at least defensively. And he's, he's very steady as a player for sure. Yeah. I mean, and Trent's number, I think his QO is one eight. So like, I mean, from, you know, going from the two way to a regular season spot, um that's value right like i mean he you had him for a year the one thing you don't want to do is invest a lot of money in a player and then all of a sudden he goes and blossoms somewhere else has there been a bigger 10 day to full contract than Daniel house for this team and how important he he became after being a hardship guy who was on three teams this season to now being pretty integral in the way that they defended towards the end. Well, and that's the thing. It's like that wings are hard to find, right? Wings that have playoff experience, wings that are, you know, that you can kind of just roll out. Everybody's looking for them, right? Everybody's looking for them either in a draft or free agency. And sometimes they get paid a little bit of a premium, but to pick up a guy kind of mid season and then have him part of your rotation, um, that was a good find for them. As things wrap up for this team what are you looking forward to most heading into the summer well i just think as far as what changes right like i think with this team as i'm interested to see like where their bench goes uh, that's going to be intriguing for me um you know certainly you know you have got jordan but what else do you have right that's going to be um hassan's um unrestricted free agent um you have uh, you know jared butler's back um you know alex you know, i'm interested in what happens with the development of Nikhil alexander walker does he fit in somehow um that's kind of my you know a little bit of an intrigue as far as how does their bench get better how is there a foundation how is there another but when you're a tax team the, the one thing you don't want to be doing is always turning the roster, the back end of the roster over like eight spots, eight to 13, eight to 14, where you, you do need to have some type of continuity. You saw it in Brooklyn. You saw it with the Lakers. Like when you sign like six or seven guys that are veteran minimum, usually you're not going to get great success out of that. Hope, may, hope, your goal is to have like two players hit. Um, and then you got to do it again and again. And again, so um, I think that's that's a goal for them as far as those spots, as far as to have some type of foundation there. And two to three, that that's a good year. Oh, that's a great year. I mean, yeah. Brooklyn, I mean, you look at, I mean, you know, Brooklyn, you know, I mean, Blake had a little bit of a moment in game three, I guess, but Blake, LaMarcus Aldridge, James Johnson, DeAndre Bambury, uh, Javon Carter was a trade. 
um, Kent Bazemore, Trevor Ariza, Wayne Ellington, Avery Bradley, uh, DeAndre Jordan. I mean, the list goes on and on, right? I mean, how many of those guys have had an, had an impact? That's the thing that at least front offices we fall in love with is like those veterans, like it's an insurance policy here. Well, you know, Gabe Vincent in Miami is not a bad young player. He kind of just stepped in. Uh, Max Struss is a nice player, just plug and play. So there's a way to do it, but you also have to, they have to be kind of part of your farm system as far as bringing them up. Yurtsevin, also really a young good. player. Really good. How many more off-season articles are you working on? Well, we've got, um, you know, we've got Memphis, um, Minnesota still hasn't played. Um, that will game will be completed relatively soon. And, uh, the, one of those teams will get an off season article. I mean, I feel, I feel like, um, bad when I, when I have to put these out, especially after the jazz game and then the new Orleans game. Um, also it's like, people are like, Oh my God, like the, it just happened. Like, can you give me like a day? And I'm like, I'm sorry. That's not how it works. Like, you know, have you not followed this process? You get an article, you lose and you get an article. And um, this was like, kind of like pledge week for me the last two weeks <laughs> we had to have with the play-in and then all these teams and these series going along. And then by the end of the weekend, um, we'll have 22 articles done. And um, we have videos too, that we're putting, you know, we have out there on YouTube that coincides and, you can just go to my Twitter page. I pinned a tweet as far as um, we have just a landing page. You can just go on there and all the articles and videos are on there. So we'll have, after this weekend, we'll have eight teams left to uh, to do. Who's the more unlikely or YouTube star, you or Tim McMahon? Well, Tim's got a better personality than <laughs> oh, me. Oh, come more. on. He's got the comedy aspect. But, but I will probably... From a longevity standpoint, I'll probably be on YouTube more. Tim will probably do something where he'll get banned from it and like will have to be like suspended. So I'm probably more PG. You know, Tim's a little bit borderline, like PG 13 trending up to R. You know, those three, the Windhorse, Bontemps, McMahon, the uh, content there is um, is game changer. But man, there's a there's that always that asterisk that something is going to happen here. Tim was rip roaring yesterday, so don't worry. He he was ready with some B content, B well, puns. Well, those are his two teams, Dallas and yep. Utah are his two teams, you know. So he was ready to go. The McMahon Bowl ended in six. Yeah, Mavericks. So now he's got Dallas uh, Phoenix. He'll be around, and I'm sure he'll be dishing out the PG-13 content as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. Bobby Marks, ESPN's front office insider, on UtahJazz.com. Bobby, thank you so much for taking the time. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.